Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty. And I'm JC Agajanian, Associate Broker with the Whistle Group and EXP Cool. The goal of this show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. If you ever have a question you want to have answered on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, join our email newsletter, our referral network, uh, subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, uh, join our Facebook group. We share a lot of insider stuff in there. And you can get details on our Media Mayor Mastermind course, which is something that my videographer Brian and I put together over the last seven years of cranking out videos together and put in a nice little course to teach you everything you need to know to go out there and crush it with video in your business. So you can go to thewhistleway.com. If you get value out of the show today, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the thumbs up, the subscribe button, and the little notification bell so you get notified of future episodes of the show. And if you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could hook us up with a review, that would mean a lot to us. Um, so having a guest today from our team, uh, we like to call him the Silver Surfer because um, <laughs> he's a badass surfer and he's got some pretty amazing silver hair. He's a silver fox, so what can we say? It's changed um, a lot since I first joined your team. You're welcome. Yeah. Real estate will do that. <laughs> if, if you're listening or you're watching and you're new in real estate, like your hair will turn gray exponentially faster by being in this career. Your baldness will happen faster. Everything is just going to happen faster. Mm -hmm. So welcome to real estate for the new people. <laughs> Three young kids doesn't help either. Yeah, that makes it. it a little bit tough. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's start there, man. Tell um, those that are listening, those that are watching a little bit about your background. Um, and then we'll dive into the real estate. And just for perspective, JC was the number one agent on our team last year. And we are going to dive into what I think makes him special, which is his consistency. Um, but before we dive into all that, tell us a little bit about who is JC. Yeah. Um, I'll do the, the quick bio that I often give. You know what? This is great for clients. If you can spit out in like two minutes your professional history and maybe a little bit of your personal history as well, they feel like they know you so much better. And, and especially if you can pepper in some pieces of information that make you different. Like for me, I have a mortgage background, so that adds experience to my real estate work. Um, so yeah, I born and raised in Hermosa Beach, California. Um, super charmed upbringing, uh, went to SDSU, came here, realized San Diego's the best. They don't call it America's finest for no reason. And everybody else is just jealous, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, decided I'm going to stay here. Didn't know I was going to get into real estate in college. I uh, was hoping to maybe land a career in surfing somehow. Maybe I was definitely not a pro surfer, but like maybe in the industry. Quickly realized there's no money in surfing unless you're like Kelly Slater, basically, <laughs> or some of his contemporaries. Um, so yeah, I, I went into the mortgage business, and in 2002. It was a pretty good time to get into the mortgage business. It was a very low barrier to entry and you could start making a lot of money in a hurry. Um, so I gained some experience and fast forward to 07 or so and the writing was already on the wall for us. Most people didn't know what was coming that weren't in the financial services, mortgage or real estate world. But those of us in that world were already starting to feel the pain. I would say halfway through 07, I saw my pipeline dwindling in a hurry. I knew it was screwed up when they offered me a loan that was 125% loan to value. What that means is was it a I was going Take to put payment? no money down, 
Then this thing was going to close, and then on this like $800,000 house, they were going to give me a check for two hundred grand after it closed. All just basically on credit. Yes. No it was income, insane. no assets. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't have to prove a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, fog of me or get a loan. Like, yeah. when, that, when it got like that, that was when you really knew. Like, we were doomed. Yeah. And just for the record, that's not loan officers making those rules. <laughs> like, that's... They're, you're just playing within the rules. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, I had recently, like... I had bought in a home a couple of years prior, um, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Am I going to be in one of these statistics? It's, it's coming. So super fortunate to have a connection in the foreclosure business. Um, and I was already licensed. At the, sa- at the time, it was just one license. You were a, a licensed real estate salesperson, whether you're a mortgage broker or a realtor. Now there's an NMLS, which is a whole another thing. At the time, it was just one thing. So within the same brokerage, I could just change hats. Now I'm selling real estate instead of selling loans. And I got connected with the REO experience um, January of 2008. So I went from being worried about losing everything to getting my first asset assigned to me. And then from then on having some of the best years of my career. And I love to share this with my clients that um, it was great for me, sure. But what does that do for someone who I'm about to go to work for? Well, I actually didn't know much about the county at all because I drove from my little house in OB to my office and back and I was doing loans. I wasn't out in the field learning every neighborhood in San Diego. Switched to REO sales and the banks don't know anything about these houses. They don't know where you're at. They're not giving you a nice little region in the south or the west or the east. They're just giving you assignments randomly saying, hey, tell me if it's occupied or vacant. Do we have to kick somebody out? Do we need to break down the door and change the locks? They don't know anything. So basically, I learned the entire county, neighborhood-wise. I learned property management, which I didn't have before. They asked us to uh, get all utilities turned on, schedule rekeys, any repairs, do it all, pay for it, and then seek reimbursement if it's big enough, right? That was like the job. Regardless of all that, it was a sweet gig. And I had accumulated all this experience at the peak, I think, doing 50 or so transactions a year with no assistant. It was like insane, but I didn't have to do the hardest part, which is to go out and earn every listing, right? Because I had that corporate account, right? So I did that. And then ironically, so similar to many years before, we came to, I think, 2014. And I had like one of the worst years of my life after having so many of the best. Um, And I had already become independent. I'm a broker. I had my own shingle. I was working under my own license with my own company. And I said, you know what? That was such a bad year. I don't, I don't care what's going to happen. I'm not having another year like that. I knew Kyle from the industry. We had uh, tried to work together. I don't know if we ever did a transaction or not, but we had talked, and I said, hey, um, I want to make a change. We had a coffee. And January of 2015, um, we signed the paperwork, and I've been working the whistle way ever since, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but it's been great. I mean, my, my volume's been going up. Um, I've really grown a ton. And um, last year was even better than my best REO year, which is, my real goal was to surpass 50 units organically as opposed to corporately, right? Like with having to go out and earn every listing. Uh, so I didn't do that yet, but my, my GCI did surpass my best year in REO. And this year, uh, I think I'm just on the verge of matching last year already, and we're halfway through the year. So I am just- it's not like, bad, that doesn't yeah, suck. It's, it's been great. Yeah, it's been a fun year, man. Mm-hmm. So the question I have, they didn't have surfing as a major when you were in college? <laughs> no, but they did have recreation. 
That was a major. <laughs> that was a major. Recreation. I had one one rec class. So I was obviously I didn't major in that. I was a, a marketing major in the business school. Um, but I had one um, elective that was in the rec major. It was the title of the class, Challenges of Leisure. Wow. That was my... <laughs> that was at San Diego State? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that sounds... They like had surf class expect. for beginners, and, and I actually did that before I went to SDSU. I was in Monterey for a year. I had a surf class there collecting some units. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for those that are uh, watching or listening out of California, this is real. Yeah. This, this really exists. You could have surf class in college oh, yeah. and get units. And in high school, there was a, not only a surf class, but a surf team. You could compete. For yes. your PE credits. <laughs> For sure. I love that, man. So you make the transition out of the REO space. Again, if you're not familiar with REO, that stands for real estate owned, traditionally owned by a bank. So that was when the banks foreclosed on all the properties. They'd assign agents out. JC did a lot of that. We did a lot of that. Um, that was how we got connected. Um, and so then you've been on an adventure with Whistle because you came in on the team then you moved over and you're like, hey, I'm good on the team. I'm going to do my own thing, stay under the whistle umbrella, and you move back to the team. So talk mm-hmm. about that journey a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as reasons why or yeah. kind of – Yeah, I mean, it was cool to be part of the team. And it was – I mean, I remember uh, when I first came on, and, and it was January, right? Yeah. So it was goal-setting time, and I was like, I have never said how many units I'm going to do this year before like that was new to me and I remember Jess Macias being so kind and she's like come on over here and we're like in small groups within the team and she's like you know kind of coaching me through it um and I I put out a very reasonable goal that year um and then I think it was two or three years later that I became independent um I was growing my own business um had an assistant finally after years of saying I was going to get an assistant but I was sick of being the assistant so um Got my first assistant, and then um, I think it was a hybrid of actually having a little bit of a dip in my production, plus some very big things that you were doing that were only offered to team members. And so I was like, this is a great time. I'm going to jump back into the team. Um, And, you know, there's there's expectations if you're going to be on on the team as opposed to a more independent agent with the Whistle Group. Yeah. Um, And I was like... That was another one of the reasons why I went more independent, but going back to it, I was fine. I was like, let's do this. And so, um, I don't know if you've talked a lot about Zio in the past on here. Eh. <laughs> Anyways, um, that was one of the, the motivations, but. Um, so, I mean, you have a, you have a diverse background because you've been a broker owner, solo broker mm-hmm. owner. I mean, you were the brokerage. Yeah. Um, then you've been on a team, then mm-hmm. you've been on like, the independent side of a team or more like a brokerage agent where you kind of do your own thing and then back on a team. So like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about what were the pros and cons of being an independent broker? I want to go through all three of them. So what did, what were the pros and cons of being the independent broker first? Well, the reason I went independent from the the boutique agency I started out with, which is primarily mortgage. And then you were able to do both. If you, if you wanted to do real estate was um, kind of just a a falling out uh, with the, that broker owner who I was under, uh, how he set things up. Um, there was a, a foreclosure, like a frivolous lawsuit, and you know, E&O payments, and all this stuff that like I was just unhappy with. So um, at the time, if you've got a big REO account, you don't, doesn't even matter if you're with Berkshire Hathaway or Remax, the biggest brokerages in the world. 
it, it's not helping you. You've already got what you need, right? So I was like, forget this. I'm going to go independent. Um, and it was fine. But coming back to, to your company and then moving through the team and then independent and then to the team again, um, there's, a, there's a solid amount of accountability, right? So no matter how structured and, and committed you are, it's, it's always helpful to have at least something there, even if you right. figured out a lot on your own, because yeah. you can slip, you can get lazy, whatever the case may right. be. It's like a personal trainer at the gym. Like mm-hmm. we all know how to go to a gym. We could download workouts on our phone and we could just go to the gym and just, or just wing it and do what we want. But we all know if we have a personal trainer, we're willing to invest the money in that personal trainer, we're going to get better results. Right. Whether we like it or not, like there's I know I've had personal trainers where I freaking hate them sometimes. I'm literally puking in a bucket and, you know, I'm hating life and I'm hating them in that moment. But at the same time, I know that that's making me grow. I like the analogy of the personal trainer and the coach. And I think the team is more of like going to a class session. You know what I'm saying? Like I like going to the gym where there's classes. I'm not going to go to the gym by myself and do anything. Yeah. But what I've had personal trainers, whether or not you have that. If you've got a class, then other people are going to be there. You make friends. They're going to say, hey, where were you? And that's that's accountability without necessarily coaching. I think coaching is important too, but that would be something you pay for, like personal trainer, you pay for it. Right. I don't know. Dig I hear you. Yeah, I mean, you think about and I this is a good analogy, right? Because in real estate, like you're like, I'm going to go in the office and I'm going to make my calls today. Like if you show up at the office and you just sit in a corner by yourself and there's nobody else around and nobody else doing anything, like – it's pretty easy to like talk yourself out of like, eh, I, that guy was a jerk. Like I'm done for the day. Just like you go to the gym and like, you, you know, you just have that off day. You just, you're not feeling it. You can't run as fast as you normally can. You can't put up as w- much weight and you're like, ah, I'm out. Yep. But when there's other people around. Or you procrastinate. Yeah. Like when there's other people around, there's like an energy, there's a vibe that like pushes you. Um, and then you start looking around and what and you're at the gym you're like, that girl's running faster than me. That guy's putting on more weight than me. Like, what the hell's going on? So it pushes you to go harder. Same thing like being in a team environment. When you start looking around, you're like, I mean, we got some new people who are coming in here like guns blazing. You're like, shit, these guys are going to smoke me if I don't get on it. And that there's something to that. Oh, you know, um, I don't think you would puff out your chest and say this, but I think a lot of that has to do with the degree to which our company, and not just you, but also Chris um, and the team has put into enabling people who are brand new to come in and kick ass. Like I've told multiple people, I wish I had an environment like this when I came on board. Cause when I came in as a new loan officer, uh, the guy who was training me got a title rep to throw a farm pack at me. And he said, just dial. That was my training. I mean, think about the contrast of what the people who are new in our company have at their disposal, how much they're being fed, how much they're being taught and, and what they're being expected to do. It's just, it's night and day. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Training is a big one. I know that's an area I feel like we've grown a lot and we're, we're going to roll some stuff out at our quarterly too, of where we're taking that to even another level. Um, you know, if you're, if you're tuning in today and you're building a team or you're looking to join a team, what I would really encourage you to do if you're looking to join a team is ask them what their training program looks like. Do they even have one? Um, we were on one of our masterminds earlier today and, and somebody was very vulnerable and just admitted, like, hey, I, I, don't, I want to bring these agents on, but I don't even know what to do with them. Well, 
that's a huge mistake a lot of people do is like they get so busy they're like well shit i can't handle all this business i need help so they bring on agents but there's literally no training plan there's no program nothing to follow and the agent boomerangs right they get in and they they go right back out again because they they're not successful they have no idea what the hell they're doing um so if you're looking to join a team like make sure to ask about that like tell me about the training program what does the the ramp up look like and then what does the ongoing look like and if you're a team leader you better be able to answer those questions right because if you don't have a program in place, why should somebody join you? And if you don't have a program in place, like maybe, maybe just put your your energy into one person instead of trying to like recruit a bunch of agents. Like if you really have so much business that you can't handle it, then maybe just start with one and give them as much as you can, even if you don't have an organized system, right? But at least train them and teach them, and then continue to nurture them to the where they become truly part of your team and they can help you. But like. You're right. I mean, if you don't have a complete plan in place, you're not going to be able to attract a bunch of agents and then keep them around. You might be able to attract them because you have leads, but you're going to boomerang them because you have no system for them to follow. And people need a system. Like, I mean, we're run our business on something called EOS. We needed a system to run our business on badly. Um, and as soon as we put a system in, we thrive. But when we're left to our own devices to figure this stuff out, it's like, good luck. I mean, it's it's freaking tough. Um, so that would just be a big one is I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to do that with everything in your business too. Like don't go, don't go to a conference because conferences are coming back super strong right now. Don't go to a conference, see somebody on stage. It's like, oh yeah, I'm crushing it with Zillow leads. And then get home and be like, all right, I got to get Zillow leads. Like, Maybe you should figure out what the hell you're going to do with those Zillow leads before you go get those Zillow leads. Because if you don't have a process for what to do with them, you're going to just throw your money away. And then you're going to be like, oh, Zillow leads suck. Like, do the leads suck or do you suck? Because you don't have a process for what to do with them. Or the huge thing, like, I am super proponent of hiring a coach. But if your coach is telling you to spend here to do that or to whatever, like, it has to be within within reality you, like I actually experienced that uh, probably right around the same time before I came to the whistle team like I was paying for coaching but then I was also paying for a super expensive CRM platform plus uh, Google spend plus uh, plus 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 yes and it was like I didn't have the revenue coming in from these sales to support all of this now if I had two or three deals a month more than I was doing at the time, it probably would have been fine and I probably would have been able to grow, but that was wrong for me. And so I am a full proponent of hiring a coach, but like just be aware of what they're recommending and whether or not it's right for you is, is what I would say. Yeah, it could get tough for a coach. I mean, depending on the coaching company, the, the coaches for the coaching companies, a lot of times are coaching 10, 20, 30, 40 plus people. And I, I know I don't have the capacity to do that. That's just not my DNA to coach that many people um, individually. I great put me in a group environment, I'm fantastic. But if I got to remember 40 different people and I got to understand, I, I don't know how you could do it, right? Like, how do I understand you, your budget, your experience, and then talk to Thomas and understand his, and then talk to Deanne and understand hers, and then talk to Sam and understand hers? Like, how the hell to, to not just be like, all right, guys, well, here's what's hot right now. You should all do it. Because unfortunately, that's what happens a lot of times right. is the coach is like they get off a coaching call with one person and, and that one person's like, oh, my gosh, we just invested in X, Y, Z. And what does that coach do? Gets on the call with his next line. Hey, I just got a hot tip. X, Y, Z. Got to get on it. X, Y, Z. Got to get on it. And they start telling everybody about X, Y, Z. And the thing is, X, Y, Z is working for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's not necessarily right for everybody. Right. 
So yeah, just be, be conscious of that. And if you're going to go invest in XYZ, like fully invest, not just financially, but invest with building a freaking process for what to do with it. Because I think that's the area I know that, that we're stepping up the most in is making sure that there's processes around every single thing that we do. And if, you know, there's, there's fail safes in place. So if, if an agent's not on top of things, we've got people following in the background to support them. Like just be conscious of that before you go spend a ton of money on anything or go hire anybody. Yeah. So before we wrap, I want to get like one or two big tips, right? You've now been in the business over 10 years, um, lasted over $400,000 in GCI. Like what would one or two tips be for those that are tuned in right now? Gosh, well, what you hinted at in the very beginning is a huge one is consistency. Um, you know, just like getting up in the morning and doing something, even if you don't feel like it, go for a a walk or a jog. If you're not going to hit the gym hard, like you have to be there every day. You have to make your calls. You have to keep up on your to do's like, being consistent, treating it like a job. So many people get into real estate thinking, oh, I can write my own hours. And, oh, man, look how much money you can make on one commission. That'll, that'll last me half the year. And it's like, yeah, maybe now and maybe before cuts. But, like, that's not probably going to be what your take home. You're not thinking about taxes. You're not thinking about your business expenses. <laughs> you know, like, there's all this stuff involved. So you have to be consistent in your prospecting because whatever you're doing right now is what's going to reflect how you're bank account looks like three, four, or five months from now. The, the tail, the, the length of this pipeline that we're in, I feel like has grown longer and longer over the years. It takes so long from introduction to paycheck these days in this industry. And you, if you're not consistently filling one end of the pipe, you're not going to get anything out the other side. So I think that's the hugest thing is just to be constantly working as if you've got zero escrows, zero prospects, nothing going on and you have to like starve to get them in this way because if you keep doing that eventually this is going to look nice on this side right and it gets easier and easier because you fill your pipeline more and more Mm -hmm. as soon as you stop then the pipeline empties itself out now you got to refill it Um, which is one of the biggest mistakes real estate agents make is you start with nothing in the pipeline so you work your ass off to get something in the pipeline and as soon as you get something in the pipeline, then you stop working and then you just babysit whatever that one deal is in the pipeline. Um, so that's where being on a team, I think is so huge, especially if somebody's new is be on a team where there's people supporting that pipeline for you. So you don't have to babysit it. Like a good team is going to have people in place to help you babysit it so that you can go work more and create more business and put more in that pipeline. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we have transaction coordinators, right? And, and if you've gotten to the point, that's why you have an assistant to help you is because people outside of this industry have no idea how much we're doing, right? So if you, if I always, and I'll sit down with sellers and I'll explain like all the stuff that we do. And I'm saying, I don't know how the onesie, twosie agents are running around with their chickens, like chickens with their head cut off doing all the work that, and I explain all these different people are doing this work us yeah well they're simple answers they're not (laughs) they're not you got one more before we wrap for the day one more big piece of advice um are we at widget time or or something different not yet okay another piece of advice um he's eager for his widget you're gonna have to stay till the end that's that's a good one but another good piece of advice is just love on your clients um because the better you do taking care of your clients, you're going to get 
Well, by the way, it's been about 19 years, more than 10, that I've been doing this. But uh, I said it more than 10. I'm yeah, not trying to date you, bro. It's all, it's all good. The, the hair does that for me. I think. <laughs> um, but the better you do to take care of those people, you get three, four, five, six years down the road, and all of a sudden, you're still prospecting like you have no money coming in, right? You're still grinding every day, but now things will just fall in your lap once in a while. The better you do taking care of those people, the better those repeat clients will come back. The person that you helped buy that $400,000 starter place, now it's worth six fifty, and it's a listing that just says, come list me. You don't have to compete with other agents. And then right? guess what happens when they sell the six fifty is they go buy the million. That's right. Yeah, so love on your clients. Uh, we have great tools. I might switch my widget now talking Uh-oh. about this. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, love on your clients. Uh, you know, we've had some great things that Kyle has actually put together. Um, in addition to basic programs that we run is quarterly events to just, to just say thank you. And we, I mean, Kyle spends a crap load of money and we throw great parties. We get feed them, we give them things and it's like, no, we don't want anything. It's just here. Come on out. Hang out. Have fun. Find something for your family to do. You know, people love that. Let alone gifts and notes and anniversaries and all the other things. Another back to systems, right? You have to systemize it all. So, Good those stuff. are the two things: consistency, loving your clients. Cool. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of that. JC's going to share his widget of the week. I'll share mine as well. Um, But before we do, if you're getting value out of the show today, make sure if you're listening on a podcast platform, hook us up with a review on there. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the little thumbs up button. Let YouTube know that you're enjoying us. Also hit the subscribe button with the little notification bell as well. So you get notified of future episodes of the show. If you have a question you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, join our referral network, our Facebook group, our email newsletter, um, and you can subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel while you are there. Uh, lastly, you can find out about our uh, Media Mayor Mastermind event, which is a course taking seven years of video experience, putting it into a course to help you shortcut your learning curve so you can go crush it in video. So you can go to thewhistleway.com. With that said, we're going to wrap up by talking about our widget of the week. These are simple little things that we use in our business to either save us time, make us more money, or just help us have more fun. What do you got, dude? I'm, I'm going to go two for now because now I'm thinking for our last piece of info in that conversation. So the first thing is high note, right? Um, this is actually something Kyle introduced to, my, to me and to the rest of the team. It's a, it's a brilliant little piece of software that makes it super quick and easy to make mini customizable web pages basically and you make a link and you can share that information and what you can put on these pages is video about yourself a quick hello if you're using BombBomb you can put PDFs you can put links to other sites and it's neatly organized so you can either use it as a pre-listing bomb you can use it as a follow-up you can use it as an offer uh, link I just received an offer from one of our co-workers on one of my listings and he put a high note link and I looked at it and I was like, I've never received a, an offer via high note. I know I use the high note, but I've never received it that way. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, so high note's one of them for sure. And client giant is, is one of the things that we use to love on our clients. It's, um, it's pretty plug and play. It's, it removes a lot of the thought and effort into staying top of mind with those people that you uh, appreciate uh, throughout the year. And it sends them little things quarterly and there's other programs you can do too. So those are my two widgets. Cool. Yeah. If you guys want to get connected on either of those, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Kyle Whistle and I'll get you synced up with both of those companies. Uh, mine is a very, very simple one today. 
but it's something that saves us a lot of time, um, especially with lockboxes. I don't know how it is in your market, but in our market, agents are idiots. And I'm not supposed to say that. Let's let's retract. Some agents um, struggle to follow directions. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I could get in trouble for saying that, huh? Um, so the thing is, agents roll up to a property and try to use the lockbox, and the lockbox doesn't work. What do they do? They call the listing agent. Like the listing agent knows how to fix a freaking lockbox. Like your lockbox isn't working. Most of the time, oh, it's user error. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, like, right? I, I'm not a tech support for a lockbox, so I just got this nice little label maker here, and I put a little message on there and says lockbox issues call, and I put the phone number for the lockbox support company, so that <laughs> people don't bug me or bug my team with stupid questions about how do I use the lockbox? Because that's not my job to teach you how to use a lockbox, and if you don't know how to get a lockbox to work, there's a phone number for that. And so just by using a little label maker and putting a label on every one of our lockboxes, that is drastic. Now, some people still won't read that because you, you can't make it idiot proof. Um, but you can at least minimize the number of phone calls just by doing something simple like putting a label on a lockbox to encourage people to call the lockbox company for tech support versus the listing agent for lockbox tech support. You can also use that for labeling so people won't guess at which box is yours. Yeah, you can... You can label, so if you're in like condo complex, you remember the REO days talking about that. There'd be like 50 lockboxes in one condo complex and agents wouldn't label their box. So you like show up to show and they're like, yeah, it's the 16th one in from the left on the third row. You're like, huh? Yeah. Did you put your name on it? No, but it's 16th and third row. Like, did you not think maybe other boxes are gonna come and go in between them? Like, come on, man. So just get yourself a little label maker. You could do all kinds of fun stuff with it. Um, so that's what I got. Mine's a little simple one. We've done like 150 of these. So we, we got to resort to we things like this. We got high tech this. and we got low tech. Yeah, but you know so what's just as important. We got a little bit of everything. Yeah. So hopefully you guys got some value out of the show today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Whistle Way Podcast. See ya.